Welcome to the Elk Talk Podcast with Randy Newberg and Corey Jacobson. Presented by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. The goal is what little you and I know about elk hunting, we share with people. I've got an elk building that's like 120 yards away. What do I do? First off, the thought would never cross my mind when an elk's being 120 yards away to call anybody on a cell phone. <laughs> All elk. All the time. Only elk. Only elk. Well, it's us having conversations. So we usually go down some rabbit holes. But if you hunt with Corey Jacobson, you will find the landscape is full of rabbit holes. We're just going to make this up as we go. And you look at it like, oh, that's a target-rich environment. But if you're trying to single one out, a solo target there is much easier to go into than a, a big group. Well, we record everything, so there's no BS and no lying, no faking it with us. <laughs> Did we hit the record I button? I forgot to hit the record <laughs> button. If you want to know something about elk hunting, this probably isn't a podcast to listen to. <laughs> Should we give them a list of all the other podcasts well. where they might learn something? <laughs> The Elk Talk Podcast is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, ensuring the future of elk, other wildlife, their habitat, and our hunting heritage. To become a member, go to rmef.org. The Elk Talk Podcast is also brought to you by Mountain Ops, making outdoor energy and performance nutrition to make you a stronger and healthier elk hunter. They have a full line of hunting-related supplements, including meal replacement shakes, multivitamins, pre-workout fuel, and post-workout recovery, and my favorite, their new performance protein bars that, by the way, are packed with 270 calories and 20 grams of protein, but contain less than 6 grams of sugar. Visit mountainops.com to learn more and to order, and be sure to use the promo code ELKTALK to save on your next order. The podcast is also brought to you by Gerber. Uh, go to gerbergear.com and learn about the knives, the vital, the big game vital, the Gator Premium, all the things that we use when we're out in the woods, and not just knives, but also some really cool multi-tools that they have. And we have a promo code for Gerber as well. Just use the code ELKTALK to save 20% on your orders at gerbergear.com. And we are also brought to you by Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. And Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls is the original designer and inventor of the pallet plate diaphragm that's completely changed the way elk calls are made and used. And to find out more and to order your elk calls, go to RockyMountainHuntingCalls.com or BuglingBull.com and use promo code ELKTALK and you're going to save 15% on all of your elk calls and elk call accessories. The Elk Talk Podcast is also brought to you by GoHunt.com. Uh, go to GoHunt.com and sign up for the Insider. The Insider is changing how hunts and hunting information are found. No doubt about that. Use promo code ELKTALK, and when you do, when you sign up for the Insider, you're going to get $50 of store credit, mad money, in their gear shop. Lastly, the University of Elk Hunting online course is a proud partner of the Elk Talk podcast. And within the University of Elk Hunting online course, you're going to find nearly 60 chapters organized in 17 modules of elk hunting instruction aimed at making you a more successful elk hunter. From planning and e-scouting to calling strategies and packing, every imaginable elk hunting topic is included in the online course. And regardless of your previous elk hunting experience or success, I'm confident the University of Elk Hunting online course will make you a more confident, more successful elk hunter. Just visit elk101.com and use the promo code ELKTALK to save 20% when you sign up for a membership to the University of Elk Hunting online course. And with that, Corey... We are ready to get into it. Let's jump into it. Good morning, Corey Jacobson. How you doing? I'm good. I was wondering if I was going to make it into the office this morning due to uh, the 12 inches of snow we got overnight. What? 12? Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. It started out on the, the weather showed that we should get about three hours of snow. It was, you know, one of those 70, 80% deals. And then uh, about the time it started, they upgraded it to a winter weather advisory. And about two hours later, they upgraded it to a weather, uh, weather warning. And uh, mm. yeah, we ended up, I shoveled snow last night by hand for a little bit and probably had eight inches and then got up this morning and there was a good four inches on top of what I shoveled, so. 
wow. winter wonderland. Wow. The, the clean living here in Bozeman, Montana, we avoided that foot of it. We got four inches two days ago, and my wife is recovering from a broken foot. And so now all my neighbors don't, they, they think I'm some sort of abusive husband and they really think I'm a deadbeat because when I was here at the office uh, filming stuff, she was out there with a broken foot running the snowblower. She probably looked like peg leg Pete out there. So, uh, but <laughs> any, you, anyhow. I don't know how you get away with this. You're always talking about marital advice and not being handy. And then your poor wife is yeah. out there with a broken foot running the snowblower. I'm pretty sure that your advice yeah, probably doesn't doesn't stretch too far. No, it's one of those do as I say, not as I do kind of advice <laughs> columns. So, <laughs> oh well, we uh, we didn't come on here to talk about marital advice. <laughs> no, D- David and Bryce will leave us if we're going to talk marital advice. So I'm going to let you introduce our two great guests today that we've known for a long time. Yeah, well, we are uh, we are launching Destination Elk V4 on Monday, January 24th, and uh, Bryce and his son, Brandon, were a part of it. They were uh, Team Peaks, and uh, Bryce is the... Bryce, I, I might mess up your title, but you're the, the main guy, the founder, owner, uh, designer behind the original Sissy Sticks, which is now Peaks Equipment. And uh, and then yeah, I don't know what I don't know what the right title should be, but uh, you, you you can call me whatever you want. I guess <laughs> don't don't give me that freedom. <laughs> and then uh, we've got David Brinker, who I think uh, most of our podcast listeners probably know from what, episode three or four or something. He was one of our our first guests. Corey. Uh... That's true. Oh, I thought you were going to go into the other thing. That's good. Yeah. Well, I was going to say he was one of our first no. guests, but then he made another appearance uh, a while later. <laughs> he was a yeah. a stabbing guest uh, a few <laughs> few years ago. So we we took a stab at talking about the experience we had hunting in Oregon when he uh, stuck a broadhead in his leg. But we'll uh, we'll leave that discussion for another day. But we're here to uh, Peaks Equipment was a sponsor or is a sponsor of Destination Elk V4, uh, which is launching Monday, January twenty fourth at six o'clock p.m. on the Elk One Hundred One YouTube channel, and we thought it would be fun to get. Uh, Bryce and David on here representing Peaks, uh, but also Bryce uh, representing Team Peaks, who was a part of uh, Destination Elf, one of the teams from this year's series. So long introduction, but welcome, Bryce. Welcome, David. Thank you. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah. Bryce, the thing I remember when all of us are out in the field and we got the group text going on is getting a text from you about 70 mile an hour winds. Oh man! It, well, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything. But man, I think you were experiencing it the same way we were. But it was unbelievable. I've never, I've never had winds like that out elk hunting before. But we, uh, we definitely almost got blown off the mountain several times. Yeah, I was experiencing it from the comfort of a cabin. <laughs> well, I, I know the uh, the accommodations Bryce had because I had the uh, the same accommodations in Alaska when we were there, and uh, it held up to the winds up there. But we didn't have the uh, all the dead trees around us that Bryce did that added a little bit of adventure to the experience. Dodging trees that are falling all around. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh... We finally just got to the point where it was like we looked at each other and like, I don't know if this is safe or not, but uh, we persevered and did our best to deal with what Mother Nature threw at us. So That's awesome. Was there some testing of equipment involved in this? Is this like some secret that I'm not allowed to be part of or something? Or what's the deal here? I'm looking at, look, I, I'm in the video. I can see all three of you guys and you're, even though you're all in different locations, you're all looking at each other on the screen. Like, should we tell Randy about this? Or, <laughs> we have a little smirks going on. Yes. Lot, lots of secrets, Randy. Okay. Is, do I get let in on them or is, this, <laughs> or is this, you guys going to do another podcast without me where I, I got to listen? No, I, I, I think we pulled the curtain back a little bit in the previous podcast that Corey and I had done about 
the new teepee tent that we've designed that we were um, testing while we were <laughs> on on the Destination Elks hunts. And uh, Corey got the opportunity to test it in Alaska and Brandon and I here in Montana. And it was a, a great opportunity to just put it to the test. Corey, Corey, you didn't have any bad weather in Alaska, did you? No, no, there was no no rain, no wind. It was sunny and beautiful. The pictures look, I mean, I know you made it sound bad and stuff, but the pictures look like it was easy. You yeah. know what? The pictures were absolutely stunning. <laughs> we, we could not have planned or picked better weather, better lighting. It was just, it was stellar the first 24 hours we were there. And then uh, the next five days turned into a nightmare. But you know, we took the we took the TP. Bryce uh, got a hold of me before we left and said, "Hey, I'd I'd love for you to test this if you feel comfortable taking it." And my first concern was mosquitoes. You know, we're going to Alaska. Mosquitoes are horrible, and the tent didn't have you know a mesh insert or anything. And and we could have put one in, but then we couldn't have had the stove in it. And the stove was the primary reason we took it. That was our dry out place to go into and, and dry things out. And then we just had our little one man tents to sleep in. And as I alluded to in, in the previous podcast, we couldn't get a fire going because all the wood up there was just saturated wet. So the tent, the teepee, you know, it, it was, uh, put up on the first evening we were there and it was taken down on the last afternoon when we left uh we got a fire for about 20 minutes one day to go in there and and that was it but with that being said it was torrential rain we got 12 inches of rain in five days we had wind for uh, about 48 hours that was just crazy blowing you know sleet and rain sideways and we didn't even have to tighten down the the teepee it it withstood all of that and stayed straight up and that was pretty awesome so i mean we did get to test it we just didn't get to use it like we wanted to and that was no fault of the tent or the stove that was the the fuel source well you should have just yeah wet, wet, wet wood's no fun to deal with you should have packed some <laughs> firewood with you Corey. <laughs> yeah why don't you take a duralog or something exactly yeah. we thought about it and i thought oh there'll be enough wood you know there's dry <laughs> stuff we can dead stuff dead stuff will always burn but not the case. Yeah. Well, normally you can throw wood in the tent and it'll dry itself out, but not in that climate. Yep. And that's the only reason we got the fire going for the 20 minutes we did was we had put a bunch of wood in there. We actually split the wood. I had a little hatchet. We split the wood. And these are little chunks, you know, two-inch diameter chunks of wood and then split in half. And when we'd split it, water would run out of the inside of it. And this is dead wood, you know, that should be dry. And even sitting in the in the teepee for two or three days, we'd come back and still couldn't get it to ignite. All right, I'm Randy. Where where, where were you when all this was going on? Well, uh, Corey asked me if I wanted to come along and be a packer or something else. And I've done two Sitka blacktail hunts in that time of year up on an island about fifty miles from there. I said, you know, we're friends and all, but you don't have enough love or money to get me up there under those conditions. So <laughs> where was I? I was probably out on Fort Peck bobbing around fishing for walleyes or something. I don't know. I, <laughs> but, so uh, I'm listening to this. Now I feel like I'm kind of easing in on a group conversation. I, I feel like I'm the guy with a droid and the three of you are having an iPhone text message loop and i'm not i haven't been in it but where's peaks going with all this stuff so now i find out about tents i knew you had trekking poles i knew you had gators where are we going here guys is this like the big reveal or something (laughs) i I mean sure we can pull the curtain back a little bit and and expose kind of the the path forward for for all the listeners out there it's um you know from from the beginning we really wanted to kind of head in the direction of helping people elevate their backcountry experience and and in order to be able to do that we just felt like we have to make the backcountry campsite the best place for somebody to be, right? The the biggest reason people leave and fail is because they give up and they quit and they go home. So the more we can do to to improve the 
backcountry campsite and make it their backcountry home, then that's really what our goal and our mission is as a brand is building products that keep people on the mountain with a focus on comfort, durability, and protection. That sounds like an elevator speech there, Bryce. But <laughs> you got to practice those things. You, you got to practice those things, Randy. I know. I, I know. But uh, so I'm just out on your website here. So I'm I'm seeing the gators. I'm seeing your mission. I see sissy sticks and gators and lifestyle. Where's the rest of it? I mean, you're talking about all this camp. You know, whatever you need at your camp to make a comfortable backcountry experience. What, what, tell me more. It's it's all coming. We've got uh, we we we're launching a headlamp that is going to come out here in just a couple of weeks, and uh, we've really built that headlamp to be durable, dependable, to have breakthrough lumen output that uh, you can't get anywhere else, and and just really long battery life. And that's coming out here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the TP tent that we've been talking about should launch this summer. Um, the stove that goes with that, we hope to launch at the same time this summer. It might be a little bit later in the fall when the stove comes out. And then if you just think about the backcountry campsite and everything that you take with you to establish your camp, you can kind of get an idea of where we're heading and what's to come in the near future. But for this year in 2022, you'll see, you know, those three products that I, that I just talked about. And that's kind of, uh, what we're getting ready to launch here in the near future. So, man, that headlamp sounds really cool. I'd I'd sure love to get my hands on one of those. <laughs> I, I, th- I think I've heard that a few times, Corey. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was told, "Hey, we really want your input on this. We really want some feedback." And I was super excited to get my hands on one early. But it sounds like we're close enough to the launch. I'll probably just have to buy one off the website. <laughs> uh, just to add to what Bryce said, I think when Bryce sort of set out on this mission and I joined somewhere along the way, uh, there was just this realization that the industry often puts so much focus on the actual pursuit, like, um, improving the, you know, whether it's improving your ammunition or your rifle or your bow or your arrow or your, even your apparel, um, which helps in the actual pursuit part. But what most people often don't think about is how important, uh, the time, like your, your rest time and the time in between the pursuits is to your overall experience. Like Bryce said, um, similar to out East when people, people that kill the biggest whitetails often sit in the tree stand the longest, the, the, the same goes in the mountains. The longer you stay in the mountains, the, the more chances of success you have. Obviously that's one of the main factors. If just being out there, your chances go up. So we, we really wanted to focus on um, helping people thrive in a really nasty environment, which the mountains can often bring all of us. One of the things that stood out to me was Ryan Lampers, who's uh, a part of our team. And obviously, for those who know him, he's a legendary hunter and back uh, backcountry enthusiast. He said something to me one time that really rang a bell, and it was, I said, Ryan, like, how do you stay out there so long? Cause he'll often go for 15, 20, 25 days. And I'm usually tired after five, um, you know? <laughs> and he said, I said, don't you, don't you get tired of suffering? And he goes, I have a, I have a secret for you. He's like, I don't suffer. I don't suffer anymore. He said, my system is so buttoned up that I don't suffer as much as people think I would. Um, and I'm like, wow, that's pretty incredible. Cause most people do, you know, that's why they leave. Then they go eat a cheeseburger and drink a beer after three days because they're, they're sleep deprived. They're dehydrated. They're malnourished. They're sore, all the things. So I think, you know, just to, to add on to what Bryce said, our future is, is helping people thrive in the backcountry, And whether that be improving your lighting system, improving, improving your, your shelter system or your trekking poles or your, or whatever it might be. We want to help you stay out there longer and be more successful. And I think the one thing that Dave just said, that's really important is that, you know, he said, improve your lighting system, improve your sleep system, your shelter system. 
that's really the approach that we're taking as a brand as we kind of build these products is like how does how does the trekking pole integrate into your sleep system right your shelter that you have everything that we're trying to do and build we're trying to build so that they work in harmony with each other so that you do have one complete system that you can take with you into the backcountry and it all works together it creates the most livable backcountry home that you can imagine and keeps you on the mountain and hopefully increases your odds of success you know and that's Mm. that's one of the things that that I think I'd never used a teepee before or a stove. And when you offered it, my first thought was, we're planning to be in the Alaska backcountry for 10 days. We have to be completely self-sufficient in a backpack and adding a teepee and a stove to our group system probably doesn't fit in weight-wise. And I don't remember the exact weight, but you've got a center pole, you've got the teepee, we took a floor, we took the stove, the stove pipe, all of that. And the total weight was minimal. But one of the things I think that adds to the structure of the teepee is the integration of the trekking poles. And I was worried about leaving the teepee for, you know, days on end without the trekking poles, because obviously during the day we have to use them. And if it's raining and windy and we're out using them, you know, how's that going to work? Fortunately, Donnie stayed in his tent the whole time, so we just used his trekking poles, and we didn't have to remove them. <laughs> it was one benefit of Donnie being in his tent the whole time, but uh, it, it is awesome. It's you know those trekking poles, how they create some of the structure of the TP. Uh, it just makes it that much stronger. You don't have to carry any extra weight, and you utilize, like you said, each piece kind of supports each other. And I'm sure that uh, the lighting everything will kind of integrate into to building that experience and that system, that complete system. One thing that's been interesting to watch Corey and Randy, I'm sure you'll appreciate this is like, even as you, as you, like in the days before this, the technical apparel came in the industry and stuff, hunters generally speaking, like to act tough. Like we, we like to think we're really tough and we are in a lot of ways, but you know, there was a lot of hesitation to, to wear technical apparel 10 years ago. Ah, I'll, I'm sticking to my flannel and my, my car hearts or whatever. And then, you know, kind of that threshold was passed on. Everybody wears technical apparel now, basically. And I noticed the same thing a couple of years ago when I first heard about sissy sticks, which was, I um, mean, I still have friends. No way. I'll just, you know, break a stick over my knee and use a stick if I need to haul something <laughs> heavy, you know, no way am I using one of those trekking poles, you know, um, there's always this hesitation to find comforts in the and somewhere that's not comfortable because we're kind of gritty and tough. But what I've been seeing, and I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on this industry wide, is is people embracing uh, this idea of you don't have to suffer necessarily, and even if it costs you a couple ounces, it's worth it because your success goes up and your experience gets better. I've just noticed that over the last, especially the last five years, people are becoming more intelligent about how they hunt as opposed to just trying to be tough. Well, I'm, I'm on the leading edge of that spear, not from a technology (laughs) standpoint, but from an age standpoint, David, I'm older than all of you guys here by at least 10 years, maybe 20. So what you just said there about an ounce here or there and the comfort it adds i'll use an example uh going into our sheep hunt in alaska is 13 miles in there and in terrible nasty country i brought a little bit bigger tent a little bit more comfortable sleeping bag and a little bit better uh mattress like probably added hmm, 10 15 ounces to my load and uh some guys were questioning my judgment but nobody slept better than i did on that hunt (laughs) nobody had more comfort than i did for an extra ounce or, or less than an extra pound uh so i'm i'm all in on that idea i I get that some people, you know, really get into, well, I'm going down to the 10th of an ounce when I measure this stuff. Well, when you drive a desk for a living, like I do, you know, you're an out of weight account, <laughs> out of shape accountant. You know, there's a lot of things you can do with your life to shave an ounce here or an ounce there. It's like eat better, exercise more. So I, I think when I go to the back country, 
comfort for me, and this is way more different now than it was 10 years ago, that comfort of whether it's how well I sleep, comfort from the elements of wind and rain and snow, that is so directly proportional to how hard I'm going to be able to hunt while I'm back there, which I think people, it'd be a struggle to argue that the success is usually a function of how hard you 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 hunt. So for me, there's absolutely a correlation to how comfortable I can be after a long day for five days or seven days or whatever, and uh, how much success I'm going to have. So these type of systems you're talking about are super important to me. But what when you say sleep system, are you talking about the tent as the sleep system? <laughs> he just keeps prying. Well, you guys are saying all this stuff, but I'm I'm feeling left out because I'm like a sleep. I'm a sleeping bag nerd. What? I think you're. I think you're more in the know than even Corey is on that topic. There, Randy. We just had you into the shop the other day, and what? you got to yeah. peek behind the curtain a little bit at a few of the things. So. Yeah, but I didn't know if those were your personal <laughs> items or if that was stuff you were working on. And when I was asking questions, you kind of had this look like, "Ooh, do we dare tell him?" So I had a feeling maybe you're working on a more complicated or a more expanded sleep system. But, yeah. uh, you know, old guys who need a lot of sleep, they're the ones you should have as the prototype testers for your sleep system. That's right. That's why we uh, That's why we pulled the curtain back a little bit further and let you peek behind it a little bit to see what was what was coming after the, the TP and the stove. So You, you know what happens yeah, when I you mean, pull I, the curtain back on or for Randy? It's... Uh, Randy doesn't keep a secret real close to his chest. He just he just announced it to the whole world. So keep that in mind. I think that's probably why you haven't sent me one of your lights yet, because you figured I would let it out of the bag early or something. But now you see Randy's Corey, actually I, the one that No, I you you I did not know about their lights until about 20 hours ago. And that was because <laughs> I happened to stop by the shop. If I was driving by and they had all this stuff laid out on the floor they were taking pictures of. And, you know, I'm like, well, I know these guys. I'll just walk in. And I felt like I'd walked in at an inappropriate moment. They're like looking at me as if, uh-oh, Newberg, now he knows what we got here. So, yeah, he, he happened to he happened to stumble in at the most opportune time and uh, get to see some of the things that we were working on. So. so you knew about these lights long before I did. If if you knew about them more than a day ago, you knew about them before I did. <laughs> I knew about them six months ago. I just haven't seen one yet. What? But yeah. I, I have. <laughs> I have. They're, that's what I mean. They don't and, trust uh, me with information. And I haven't even said anything. I talked to Randy on a regular basis, and he didn't know about any of this. That's how that's how good I am at keeping a secret. Randy finds out something twenty hours ago, and the whole world knows. So <laughs> I haven't well, I haven't told anybody until this just now. Come on, that's what Corey. I mean. <laughs> all right, I'm, he didn't tell the whole world until right now. So I, yeah, right. I'm going to get blamed. That's all. Right. That's all right. Blame the old guy. You know, usually he can't hear what you said anyhow. So, but uh, well, no. And to go back, anyhow, to I don't the, mean no. To yeah. go back to the the comfort thing and the minimalist thing. You know, when I was in high school and college, especially like shed hunting, I would go for a full day. Sometimes I wouldn't even take a bottle of water. I would take a Snickers bar and a Twinkie and in a little fanny pack or a minimal little, you know, 1200 cubic inch backpack. And all that would be in there would be some twine to to wrap antlers up with and, and put it on there. And I was in my basketball shoes. I didn't even have any kind of boots with traction. And that was because I wanted to be the lightest I could and just go and not be bogged down. And so when things like GPS units and binoculars and range finders and things like that started coming out, I didn't use those either. I wasn't going to carry binoculars for archery hunting. And I didn't need them. They were, they were heavy. They were a, an anchor. Um, you know, but then you, you start, I got out of college, I got a job, I had a little bit of extra money that I could be like, okay, I'm going to, 
I'm going to buy a pair of boots for $140. You know, and then I wore a pair of boots that actually had a sole in it and had some traction and I wasn't falling down all the time and my arches didn't hurt and I wasn't bruising the bottom of my feet. And I thought, oh, that was worthwhile. I I should have done that a while ago. And shed hunting, you know, I started using binoculars and realizing I could cover a whole hillside across the canyon without actually walking across the canyon and hiking on that hillside. And it improved my, my success. And, you know, I was hesitant with, with trekking poles when they first started becoming popular, not even, even before they were popular, um, just because I thought if I have them and I need them, I'll use them, but I'm not going to pack them for six days and not ever need them. Uh, they're in my pack every day now. And so I think there's a, there, there is a learning curve, an experience curve uh, where we are hesitant to add more gadgets and more gear. And is it really worthwhile? Is it worth packing a set of trekking poles in my backpack for six days to use them for four hours when I pack out an elk on the last day of the hunt? Uh, and the answer is yes, it is. And I've also found that now I use them pretty much every day. I might not use them while we're actively hunting, but as soon as it gets dark and I'm hiking out, the bow goes on the backpack, the trekking poles come out and it it makes life easier. And so uh, I was never one to wear gaiters. Gaiters keep my boots dry now. You know, they, they keep the pant leg dry. They keep the sock dry, which keeps the inside of my boot dry. And so there's just, they're, they're little comfort things. And I think that we just have to, to recognize what, what do they add in convenience or in experience and what is the downside as far as having them with you all the time? And, and realistically, you know, what you guys are doing is taking away the downside of having them with you all the time so that you're able to recognize the, the benefit a lot more rapidly. Yeah. It, it, I, Corey, as you know, I, I've unfortunately entered the woods unprepared before. <laughs> and um, and uh, I'm notorious for just jump. Cause I'm, I'm not generally a detail oriented person. So like if there's elk bugling, I just jump out of the truck, throw whatever pack I grab first on and, you know, start running through the woods. But what I've noticed about watching people like you and others really, really successful, uh, intelligent hunters is those fine details of just like covering your butt on just the, even those kind of outlier moments. Um, so you don't have to leave or rely upon somebody else to help you. Like again, going back to lampers, the guy, his pack isn't heavy necessarily, but he has, every single thing in there that he needs nothing that he doesn't need but everything that he needs it's very intelligently thought through so it doesn't matter what happens in the backcountry he's going to be fine whereas like i said um until i've become wiser the last few years just you know just just going gun blazing guns blazing at bugles um and not actually thinking through your you know my my apparel system was thought through and 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 stuff but you start thinking about all the other things and that's what was so intriguing when I first met Bryce a few years ago as to where this peak story could go and is going to go. Um, and, you know, people like you, Corey, who spent a lot more time than the average person or you, Randy, uh, inspire people to actually think through what they take and, 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 and not worry about sacrificing an ounce here or there to actually be able to be more successful. Well, and I think that out story, when you, when you think about it, I had a great conversation, Randy, with our good friend, Bart May. I don't know what it was, maybe a year ago. And we were talking about this whole balance between, you know, weight and, you know, the things that you, the necessities that you need in your pack and everything. And, and he said, well, let's be honest, all of us could probably use to shed a few pounds on our person. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. if... That's true, right? Like, get out, go hike, exercise, lose the weight, right? And then put that gear in your pack. You know, the the pound that your trekking poles weigh, I'm sure we could all shave a pound off our midsections and, (laughs) you know, and be be neutral on that. So, it's uh, fitness comes into play, I think, a lot too, so that you don't have to worry about, you know, shaving down your toothbrush to just the end or leaving stuff at home that you don't need. And I've looked at that a lot too. And one thing to keep in mind, I think that's important is if your backpack is 40 pounds and you weigh 200 pounds, you're carrying 240 pounds. If you lose 10 pounds 
and now you can carry 50 pounds of gear, it's not the same. I mean, you're still putting 50 pounds on your shoulders and back, which your weight, you know, might have been sitting lower, probably was sitting lower. So there is going to be, you know, don't just lose 10 pounds, strengthen the areas of your body that are going to need to carry it. And for me, I've always been, I mean, when I, when I graduated college, I weighed 172 pounds. And that was about where I'd been my whole life, never been above that. And, you know, at six foot, six foot one, I was skinny and I started working out and I still didn't get above about 175 pounds. But when I say working out, I started going to the gym, lifting weights, which I'd never really done before. And then I started doing triathlons and I got down into the high 160s, still, you know, much stronger than I'd ever been, but also much leaner. And I, I set a goal for myself that by the end of last year, the end of 2021, I wanted to weigh 200 pounds. I've never been over 192 pounds in my life. And I thought, I want to get up to 200 pounds. And the reason why is I wanted to bulk up and increase my strength, which I've never done, and then start really working out hard. So I hit 202 pounds on New Year's Eve. And since then, I have started wow. really working out body weight stuff, you know, with especially legs, back, core, shoulders, things that I'm going to use hunting elk. And I think that right now at 46 years old, I've never been stronger or felt like I could hit the mountain harder. And I've still got eight months until elk season. So I'm excited about that prospect that it's not always about just losing weight. Yes, absolutely. If we, if we sit at a desk and can lose five pounds off our midsection, that's always going to make us better. Uh, but sometimes, you know, we have to think, what muscles are we going to be using? What's going to be fatiguing on us fastest? And when we go to the gym, it's not always bench press and biceps that are going to benefit us. Uh, you know, core and, and legs and back, those are kind of the, the primary things that we use every day. And focusing on strengthening those while maybe trimming down the midsection or something uh, in conjunction with that does allow us to carry more weight and to be stronger and to enjoy the experience a lot more. Was that to humiliate me, Corey? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what about that was humiliating, but the fact that I could Nothing. never gain weight and I'm, could I, never gain strength. and I'm just, sensitive. I'm just sensitive in my old age. You're just going to have to cut back on your Dairy Queen, Randy. That's I, all. I know. I've just about got all my dilly bars cleaned out of the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> but, Corey, Corey is, this is this the podcast where we get a, a sneak peek into the, the Destination Elk series that launches next week? Absolutely. I don't know. I actually am, I feel pretty left out here. I mean, I knew you guys were doing it, but... What is the what? What should people look for this year? What's gonna What's going to happen? Well, you were invited to be a part of it, but then you failed to draw a tag, and Bryce decided to go a different direction. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, but no, we uh, we involved uh, a total of fourteen people this year. Which in the past it's been, you know, Donnie and I, and then a couple years ago we started involving. Uh, the guys from Angry Spike and uh, the Skousen brothers, Brinker was involved uh, the one season and provided a whole lot of entertainment and education in one, ep <laughs> in one episode. Um, so we've had, you know, a few people involved, but this year we decided to go kind of a different route. And instead of following Donnie and I for seven straight days every day, you know, some of those days are pretty boring and we didn't even get into grouse some days. We, uh, if you've watched the series alone, uh, which is one of my favorite programs, uh, it's it's really cool because they take ten people, they send them to different places on an island or something, and they're by themselves. They have to film everything. But the cool part is, <clears throat> you get to bounce around from one person to the next, and you get to learn different survival tactics that each one uses. You get to uh, see their different personalities and characteristics and backgrounds and how they've learned to survive out there. And there's so much value in that and entertainment value as well. And so we kind of took the same approach for Destination Elk this year. We, we have seven teams, and each team consists of two hunters and one camera guy. And they, they go to 
all sorts of different areas. So we're hunting, you know, the Oregon coast, we're hunting the central Montana wide open. We're hunting the high country of Montana. We're hunting the high country of Idaho. We're hunting, uh, the, the mid country, mid mountain in Idaho. So different states, uh, different terrains. And then with seven different teams, you get different hunting styles. You get different, uh, personalities and and all of that and so you get to bounce around this season from one camp to the next you know so it might be a a three or four minute segment of of bryce and brandon weathering a a windstorm in montana and then you know there's no elk hunting action in in that little segment but then you bounce over to randy and and his hunting partner michael in central montana and there's a group of 200 elk that they're chasing out uh, across the prairie Uh, and then you bounce over to uh, bo Beatty and and marcus and they're packing in with llamas and they're into some intense bugling action and so we're getting to to see all these different things in one episode so it gives us a lot more i think educational value it gives us more entertainment value and it keeps us uh, so we're able to highlight action a lot more and not have as much downtime in an episode. So we're we're sitting at 17 episodes uh, that launches on Monday, January 24th. We're going to have a live chat so all the participants who can make it uh, at 6 p.m. Mountain Time on the 24th are going to be on the Elk 101 YouTube channel. And over there at, at that YouTube channel, there's a little box for a live chat, and we're just going to be there answering questions and chatting with people about Destination Elk. And then at 7 o'clock Mountain Time on Monday evening, Episode 1 will launch. And uh, I think it's, you know, we're getting a ton of messages right now. It sounds like people are, have been craving it for about a year, which is super exciting. And I think the... Just the format. So John Abernathy is is our primary camera guy, and he is the brains behind the editing of all the Destination Elk series so far. And he's just doing a, a killer job right now on on season four. This must be a Corey. This must be an editing nightmare. <laughs> We had, I I don't remember, I think there were five terabyte hard drives that we sent to each group. Uh, So there were seven total hard drives that went out. We had nine camera guys involved and all of those hard drives showed back up to John with, he wasn't there. So he had to go through every one of those hard drives, watch the footage, pull out each day. So each episode is a half day hunt. So the first episode of the hunt will be the morning of day one. Second episode is going to be the evening of day one. Third episode will be the morning of day two and so on all the way to the end of the eight days. And John had to go through and watch all of the footage from each group uh, structured in a calendar style, you know, so over the morning of their first day of hunting, he's pulling out the, the highlights of that hunt, and then he's doing the same thing for the next group. Then he has to compile it all in a way that, you know, we don't want all the action up front, and then three boring segments after that, so we organized each set or each episode, uh, so it'd leave a cliffhanger at the end, so... You know, one group might be into a bull and have it screaming 100 yards away at noon, and then that's that episode ends and we don't get to see what happens in that until the next episode. So you better buy John a nice dinner when he's done with all this. He's we uh, we're launching the episode one on Monday, the 24th at seven o'clock, but then uh, we'll, we'll maybe pull the curtain back a little bit here and elk talk podcast listeners will be the only ones that are going to get this information, but we're going to release a bonus episode. Episode two is going to launch right after episode one. So at eight o'clock Monday night, they get a bonus episode, which it's one of my favorite episodes. Uh, We've we've found a musician. David, have you you heard of Jesta James? No. He's a Montana uh, songwriter, musician, incredible music, love the music, and he was kind enough to lend his voice to uh, to a music montage to send us all off to our elk camps. Uh, so that second episode is we're heading out to elk camp. Uh, it, the song is Heaven to Me. Awesome. So, yeah, really cool music. But um, wow. we really get into the, the actual format of the season in, in that episode. So that'll launch Monday night as well. And then every Tuesday and Thursday, uh, basically through the end of March, 
there'll be a new episode. Uh, so it won't be every day. It will be every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Mountain. Every Thursday at 6 p.m. Mountain, there'll be a new episode. And uh, the full schedule we've got on the website at elk101.com. Uh, if you just go to the homepage, click on the destination elk v4 link, and you can see uh, a lot more detail, including the full schedule of each episode. So that was a really long, wow. really long introduction there. But one of the other things uh, to go along with our launch is we are teaming up with Peaks to do a really cool promotion. So Bryce, if you want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, at the beginning, we talked about this teepee that we tested out and in, in uh, on the hunts that we went on and um, we thought it'd be a great opportunity for, for those who are participating and watching in the Destination Elk series to get a chance to win one of those teepees. So more news will be shared about how to win one, but uh, yeah, you're going to get an opportunity to to get your own Peaks teepee here. We'll launch those probably in, in July of this year. So we've still got some lead time coming up to that, but um, we're going to give people a chance to win one. Yeah, and that, uh, mm -hmm. that giveaway is in conjunction with uh, Destination Elk. So make sure, I'm guessing they can go to your website, Bryce, and just sign up for a, an email newsletter or an email list or follow you on social media to make sure that they know all the details when that promotion launches and how they can win a TP. Yep, we'll get all that uh, sent out if they want to go to the website and sign up for the newsletter down at the bottom. They can do that. Um We'll be posting it all on social, and I think that uh, you guys are going to help us as well. So I think anybody that's interested is going to have an opportunity. That's awesome. So, yeah, go to uh, – what's what's your Instagram? Uh, Instagram is peaks underscore equip, E-Q-U-I-P. And then the website is peaksequipment.com. P-E-A-X. Yeah, I was just going to say that. P-E-A-X. Yes. So, and we'll have all the same. We'll be sending yes. out emails and posting it on our social at Elk 101. So be sure that you're following Peaks Equip on Instagram and Elk 101 so that you can find out how to win one of these cool teepees. Can you give us more details on it, Bryce? Like weight and size and all that? Sure. Sure. Yeah, so it's a four-man teepee structure, so you, four guys can fit comfortably inside of it. Um, with your gear, with all your gear in it, my, my brother, my nephew, and I, we camped out in it with all of our gear and rifles, so three of us with all of our gear was in it. And uh, so it's a four-man four probably with a little bit of gear, three-man with all of your gear, um, when the stove's in it, it's probably best to just have two guys in it. Um, the weight all in was about three and a half pounds. That included the floor, the the rain fly, the carbon pole, all the stakes. So the full packed weight was three and a half pounds. So super ultra light. Um, it's about six feet, seven inches tall. So, you, you know, you can't really stand up in it because the TP walls do kind of slant down. But you can you can stand up and kind of hunch over when you need to. Um, but there's so much headspace in there. And especially when you integrate the trekking poles up into the top of the TP, it kind of pooches out that headspace and gives you a much more livable area. So um, it's, uh, it's going to be an awesome TP. We're super stoked about it. Bryce, when, when should people expect it to be for sale? July of 2022, this year. So we um, we should receive them in in June, and then we plan to launch the TP in July. Very cool. And when can people like myself who don't get the curtain pulled back <laughs> expect to see the headlamps? So the headlamps are launching, man, just in a couple of weeks. Um, we're, we're trying to launch those right before or in conjunction with the Hunt Expo in Utah. So um, we're finalizing all the details on that, the plans, and those should launch really quick. So if people are interested in that, we'll have information up on the website about the first of around, what do we say, Brinker? the February 1st. February, around February 1st, that they can yeah. start to get a peek at it. And we'll make sure you get one in your hands, Corey, before it goes live. 
And Randy, you too. <laughs> That's good because um, I, I, I'm kind of. Well, I don't know, Randy. I'm, I might take that back. And now that you've like exposed everybody to what we're doing, I, I might have to keep things closer to the vest a little bit. With you. <laughs> right, well, I, I can understand that, but I'm, I'm like a headlamp snob. I've got a collection of headlamps that if ever there's a headlamp museum, they're going to come to me and say, let's, <laughs> let's get these boxes of headlamps that Newberg has. Uh, so the, what struck me, though, is I don't know, if, is there ever been a, a, a hunting-centric company that built a headlamp for hunters? I don't think so. Not that we know of. I mean, when we do our research on it, you, you know, everybody's going to the non-hunting brands to get their headlamps. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we really, that was one of the really primary drivers behind us wanting to do a headlamp that, and some of the features of it that kind of will help with, again, building that system approach. But, you know, there's so many things about a headlamp that hunters need. And, you know, the, the biggest complaint I just think that we heard was, you know, a lot of them are made of a plastic material and, and they step on them and they break or they just parts break on them. Um, they don't have the red lights that are bright enough for hunters to be able to navigate in the dark without worrying about spooking game animals. Um, and then just, you know, the, the longevity of the battery life. So, you know, those were the problems that we really looked at solving when we were going to build this headlamp. And um, I think we did... I, I mean, I'm biased, obviously, but I think we did a great job of solving those issues for the hunter. Um, and we're super excited about releasing this to the to the hunting community. And Randy, you'll be happy that this is just the beginning. This won't be our first venture into lighting. We're we're, we're going to solve a lot more problems as well. Cool. Uh, Quit quit opening the door for Randy to ask questions, Brinker. All you really need uh, now, you just need a, a headlamp that'll allow you to track blood after dark, and then hunters will be set. There you go. Yeah, all, all those kind of things. But no, I, I saw it. I'm like, wow, that's a design I would have never thought of. It's a design I've never seen. Uh, some of the features that I, I Wait, saw. Wait, you saw it in person? I saw it in person. I actually made the mistake of turning it on, Corey, and and looking, turning it to look at it, and I'm still seeing spots from how bright it was. And it is bright. Bryce and Ryan looked bright. at each other like, "Well, we heard he wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. He had to prove it today." But uh, yeah, well, we we learned that we're going to have to put a little insert in the box that says, "Do not look into yeah headlights." I, I can tell yeah. you this with whatever you measured in lumens or BTUs or whatever you want to call it, it's it definitely it wakes you up. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, it's the it's the brightest single die LED available on the market. So it, it can shine really bright. Can you share how many lumens so, it is? Yep. So the capacity of the brightest uh, lumen output would be a thousand lumens. Very cool. So uh, you can you can program it to do you know more and less obviously, but um, for for what it is, it's we we programmed it at a thousand lumens for the highest setting. That's almost enough to yeah. boil water, isn't it? <laughs> it, it? If you have it on that highest setting, it does produce some heat. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Man, I I um, can see. Don't don't look don't look at it when it's set that high. Yeah cook stoves that utilize and integrate lighting to boil water man we're i can see all sorts of cool stuff coming out of this yeah no i was i was very impressed uh i i don't i just i always look for companies that are trying to design stuff for hunters because like david said or one of you said we're usually going outside the hunting space to get high performance stuff and i don't care if it you know back in the day when it was clothing and then i mean i started using trekking poles i think 11 years ago and people looked at me like i'd lost my mind uh but where did i have to go to get trekking poles outside of the hunting space headlamps yeah. every headlamp i have is from outside the hunting space so uh seeing it and and looking at it and then knowing that mr lampers you know he if 
if he's been using it, I mean, I might spend as many days in the field as him, but the rigors I put myself through in those number of days are nowhere near what Ryan does. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he looks, you know, he kind of looks the part of the guy who, okay, I'm going to go live. I'm, I'm going to go live under a rock for a month and see if I can make it. Whereas me, I'm like, well, he just, yeah, I, I'm going to go sit on that rock in the sun. And then I'm coming back to the hotel that night. <laughs> you know, or Lampers is like, I wonder if I can make it out here for 30 days. So uh, if it's got the Ryan Lampers uh, stamp of approval, I, I know for sure it's going to be far beyond anything I can put it through. Yeah. Well, I mean, any product that we're building, we're trying to keep the hunter in mind. I mean, our trekking poles are another example of that. You know, the biggest dilemma I think that hunters had with trekking poles is you either went the ultra lightweight with carbon fiber for the whole thing or aluminum where you were having a 50% weight penalty to, to have something more durable. And, you know, we just tried to solve that, right? So we had the carbon fiber upper sections and the aluminum lower, and it kind of is the best of both worlds and and meets those specific needs of a hunter. That's, I mean, let's face it, hunters are a lot harder on their equipment than I think backcountry through hikers are that tend to stay on the trails and designated routes. Yeah. And I don't think many, many hikers are putting, you know, 120 pounds of elk meat on their back and putting true weight on those trekking poles. I mean, they use them for balance and stability, but I found myself using it to, to relieve some of that weight coming down a steep hill. And, you know, that trekking pole is taking weight. I mean, it's transferring weight into it and you can see it when it flexes. And that's, that's a big difference between somebody who uses one for hiking and someone who uses it for hunting. Like you mentioned, Bryce, we're rarely on a trail. So we're banging them off of rocks. We're getting them wedged between trees and blowdowns. And, you know, they, they have to be designed different to, to handle a different level of abuse. Yeah. And we did a lot of research, you know, some of the, some of the medical papers that are out there on the benefits of trekking poles that um, they did a study, one of the, one of the research papers that we read where they actually did put weight on these um, individuals and, and tested the, the reduction in impact of their joints from their ankle bone to their knee to their hip sockets and it was something like a 40 percent reduction in impact from the use of trekking poles going especially downhill obviously where when you have that those heavy impacts so you know i there's a lot of guys out there that are still macho and strong and whatever and they'll never use them but uh i don't know the benefits far outweigh the, you know any of the cons so. there are two types of elk hunters bryce those <laughs> who don't use trekking poles but soon will and those who do use trekking poles <laughs> there you go i, I like that randy i like because that. if you don't use them eventually you're not going to be elk hunting when you're my age yeah so <laughs> well i mean that's that's where the <laughs> that's where the name came from i mean uh you know our good friend here in town who's a uh foot doctor a podiatrist jd clark um that's that's where the name came from he has always been a super strong kind of macho guy and you know he's into his late 60s now and he calls them sissy sticks mm -hmm. and we you know we've done a lot of adventures with old jd clark but he finally realized that uh, he's got to have them if he wants to keep doing it he's got to use them yeah well the, those tough kind of obstinate i'll show the world guys those are the ones that orthopedic surgeons are good friends with <laughs> that's right that's right yeah you show me a guy carrying 120 pound loads in elk country and off trail and that person's on a first name basis with an orthopedic surgeon pretty soon, <laughs> if not already. That's right. uh, <laughs> uh, my own my only relationship with orthopedic surgeons so far in my life has been as their accountant. So I <laughs> I hope to keep it that way. <laughs> not as a I, I want an, a, a client accountant relationship, not a patient doctor relationship with a orthopedic <laughs> surgeon. So that's why I'm a fan of of trekking poles so it's a good plan well Corey, you got us all excited about uh destination elk yeah it's uh it's hard because hunting season comes and we're so excited to share it and then we get this like three-month lull as we're editing it and it's 
it becomes work. Like I am so tired of watching all of these episodes. I mean, we usually go through five or six versions of each episode by the time we make changes and adjust things and get all the final touches in it. And I have to watch every one of them through. So we're talking 17 episodes, you know, probably at least four or five versions of each. I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of seeing it. I want everybody else to be able to see it and, and be able to share it at this point. So yeah, we're excited for that and, and grateful that Peaks uh, was a part of it this year, both as a, as a participant as well as a sponsor of the series. And, uh, you know, we, we share the Destination Elk series on YouTube for free. And uh, it wouldn't be possible to do that if we didn't have companies like Mountain Ops and Peaks and the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and Yeti uh, who, who sponsor that and make it possible. Because when you add up uh, eight days of hunting for seven groups, that's 56 days in the field uh, with film permits and nine camera guys and making sure John at least gets a break to have dinner every night and, and has a, a little bit of cash to pay for that dinner to, <laughs> to edit everything. It's not cheap. And uh, those those companies, including Peaks, make that possible. So grateful, Bryce and, and David, for your involvement and, and a partnership on that. And grateful that you're able to come on and, and share some of the uh, upcoming excitement within the business and within the brand and uh, wish you the, the best of luck here. Uh, I know there's there's some other cool things we're going to be able to talk about in the near future, so I'm excited to come back around and do that. And Corey, I'm looking forward to making my uh, re-entrance into Destination Elk someday and not get hurt. <laughs> and, and, and I think that'll happen as long as Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife does their job and helps me draw my tag this year. Very cool. You're, you're looking for, uh, you, you've got a lot of points, don't you? Yeah. I've been waiting my whole life for one good Oregon tag. Come on, give it to me. Randy, what am I supposed to do here? How, you draw all the tags. Uh, you're talking to the wrong guy, man. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know anything about Oregon. I, I, try, I drew a tag in Oregon in 2020, and your governor said I, me and my film crew had to quarantine for 14 days. Oh, geez. And then your oh, state man. forestry department, when I asked them for a film permit, they just had a bunch of fires and floods. They said, we aren't, you won't get a permit from us for two years. What? Yeah, I'm like, well, I can take I can take a hint. Obviously, you guys don't want my ugly face over in Oregon, so I just <laughs> I just ate the tag. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure that they're much better off because of it. So uh, I, I'm of no help for you, David, when it comes to All right. when it comes All right. to Oregon. But I would think a man with your clean living style and your your serenading voice of music, you could just go down to the Game and Fish headquarters there, bring your guitar, and sing them a song. They'd probably put you to the front of the line <laughs> it's never uh, considering the fact that i've never drawn a cool tag in my life anywhere i don't think it works really <laughs> but you haven't wow. tried that method yet i think randy yeah. no I, that's true. I think randy's on to something yeah i mean i can't sing at all david and i drew a moose and a and a goat that's tag not true randy there. i've heard you sing i've heard you sing in the truck really you, you like your old <laughs> traditional country hank williams yeah i, I was gonna to say randy travis has nothing on uh, on the bass voice of randy newberg <laughs> really? well uh my wife would disagree with you yeah. <laughs> when i'm even if i'm in the shower you know you think well everyone's allowed to sing in the shower she'll come and close the bathroom door and Oh, close the bathroom door because, <laughs> because I'm singing. I'm like, oh, Most people geez. don't know that Corey Jacobson is a karaoke superstar. No way. <laughs> I have karaoke. I, I have karaoke, or I've seen you sing karaoke, haven't I? I feel like I have. This might be a. Is this real? I don't know. That's uh, it's probably just a an urban legend or something that no, no one will ever no, know. No, no, no. I'm pretty. Sure. <laughs> he, 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 Corey. If you guys ever get a chance. Get Corey Jacobson to sing some George Strait. Really? Amarillo wow. by morning? What, what are we talking here? <laughs> all, all, I know you've only been married once, so it can't be all your exes live in Texas. <laughs> you know, a clean living guy like you, Corey, has got to be careful which of those country music, beer, getting drunk, mama run over by the train song. <laughs> you know, you, you'll be like David Allen Coe, and, you know, mama got run, yeah. <laughs> went to get mama out of prison and got run over by a damn old train or something, you know? <laughs> 
that, that doesn't fit a, a guy with your clean reputation or Bryce, you too. I mean, Bryce, that's right. You're like, I know. Hey, I, I live in the same town as Bryce. He he could run for governor tomorrow. He's known as such a <laughs> straight arrow, you know, <laughs> man of high moral standards. And then there's guys like me who are like, uh, we wouldn't hire him for dog catcher, man. Yeah, <laughs> whatever, whatever. So, well, I guys, don't know, thanks for so being here. Yeah, I was gonna say I've kept everything pretty close to my vest here in Brinker's Outlet and Out Secrets, so I might I might just share more peaks, hmm. sneak peaks in the future. <laughs> or at least or at least some secrets of Brinker. I, I have got some dirt on Brinker too. So. Uh, I'm there you go. Dave, I'm there you go. I've, I've been publicly humiliated on your show before, <laughs> so I'm. <laughs> and uh, 352,000 views as of yesterday, just because I was curious. Uh, that's how many people. You know, when I, I've been in the industry now for what? I don't know, 13 years. And I still, it happened last week at Sheep Show. Out of all the things, cool things I've been a part of. I'm still just the guy that stabbed himself with an arrow. There, there was a meme, that, a meme that came out last week about it. I saw a little meme video on that. Instagram of yeah. some lady falling down and hurting her knee or something, and some little kid comes running oh, up yeah. and applies pressure, like he's sitting there putting pressure on the knee. And somebody said, "This is Corey Jacobson reacting to David Brinker falling on an arrow or something." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll never, out, you'll never outgrow it. Well, now that I know there's video of Corey Jacobson doing karaoke, I'm going to put a $200 reward to whoever can get that in my, <laughs> in my hands. You've heard it, folks. If you have possession of that video, I'll pay you 200 bucks. I bet you. I bet you Donnie does. Really? All right. Well, Ooh, let's uh, Corey, let's wrap this up here. And, uh... <laughs> Donnie can be bribed easily. I've I've bribed Donnie before, so it's not even going to cost me two hundred bucks to get that from Donnie if he's got it. So I was going to say it was uh, great having I'll, you guys I'll on let... here, but let's. Uh, we'll just wrap it up there. <laughs> okay, Corey, you do the wrap then. <laughs> I just I think we just did. I would like to say it was nice having we you on here, did. but it wasn't and uh <laughs> No, there's no vid there's no video, I'm sure, so I'm I'm safe. But we uh we do appreciate you being on here. Appreciate uh you taking the time and, and appreciate you uh putting hunters and, and hunters at the, the front of your mind as you're designing these products and like been talked about we haven't had necessarily a, a brand in the hunting industry that uh, we can turn to for some of these items so it's good to to know that our money is going into a brand that supports what we love to do rather than some of these other companies that are taking the money we give them for trekking poles and headlamps and putting it into the fight against hunting so it's good to, good to have peaks equipment to support and uh forward to chatting again soon about new technology and, and innovation thanks guys thanks for letting us come on today we appreciate it and thanks for the opportunity to be a part of destination elk and we're super excited to see these episodes launch so absolutely thanks thanks guys yep we'll catch thanks, you guys, guys. In, appreciate it. in the next episode okay see you later guys